0: Hey Harish, how are you doing today? Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. We had a, we were supposed to have you in last week and then some technical <laughs> dis- issues made us push it today, but appreciate you making the time to being here.
1: No problem. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah. So uh, I really want to dive into your entrepreneurship journey because it's a little different from others, especially coming out of the Adler ecosystem, which I love to explore with you. But before we get started, can you give us a quick intro and in who you are and uh,
1: your company? Yeah, no, definitely. So the CEO of Rewardly, you know, what we are doing as well is uh, at Rewardly, we are trying to create a community rewards app. So how is all of us, we love rewards, but nowadays, like every store, they have their own rewards program. So we're just trying to create one rewards app that works with almost every store. And also we are promoting shopping local at the same time. You know, so that's kind of the idea at Rewardly, what we are working towards. The other side at Rewardly, what we are building, the uniqueness of our program is, is being able to understand what customers and everyday shoppers do after making their purchases. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that post-purchase uh, social behavior. For example, you will see a lot of Gen Z and millennials nowadays, when they go to a, a dessert cafe or they finish the yoga class, the first thing they do is take a picture and upload it on their social media. That's kind of the existing behavior we are trying to understand from our everyday shoppers and help merchants and businesses that we work with, help them increase organic engagement, help them increase revenue as well. And yeah, that's where we are working towards in Rewardly. Absolutely. Sorry. Maybe oh, I dog love dogs, this. yeah.
0: Yeah, someone who's rang a doorbell instead. Of... So diving into that. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit about the, the reward system. Where, do,
1: where was it born out of? Where do you see the need to come from? Yeah, no. So it came out of one day, I was actually talking to now my wife, you know, she was at that time working, you know, at a restaurant. So she mentioned one of the days she came back and she said, Hey, you know what, we had a really tough client. We had a really tough customer. I was on call for over an hour. And we kind of get to talking and I'm like, well, you can just tell them if they've really messed up the order. You can tell them that they messed up the order. But she said, no, if they give a Google review, it's going to reflect really bad on us. And that can really impact our business. So what I did, I, I went, I quickly went to their Google review and I saw that they have about 200 reviews. Now, they've been in business for over seven years. Now, imagine, they've served hundreds of thousands of people every every year. And, but they're only being judged on these 200 people. So there's then, then I thought, okay, maybe we can create a system which is easier for everyday customer, everyday shopper, to give some sort of a shout out, to give some sort of a review to these local businesses that are really struggling, that are really going through a tough time. And that's where I thought, okay, well, if they want to, why would someone then give you a review? Even if it takes four to five seconds to give a shout out or review, maybe we can incorporate a reward side of things. Maybe we can reward them something to gain that ex- uh, engagement on that part, and at the same time, we started noticing a lot of Gen Z, Millennials, a lot of new behaviors where they were they would take pictures, and it, it's all of us. We take pictures, we upload on social media, we tag businesses, brands, and that's where I got the idea of okay, what? Why don't we leverage those existing behaviors and make it more rewarding for everyday customers? And that's how it was born, step by step process. So we were like, okay, well, if you are giving rewards to everyday customers. We need a system for them to be able to redeem it. Okay, how do we know they made the purchase in the first place so that we can give them a reward? Then we added a payment gateway side of things. So it's kind of a step-by-step process of understanding those user behavior, looking in, and especially talking to small businesses.
0: Yeah. So I love that so the, uh, for everyone who's done Appify or like bring our new kind of rewards program. One of the things I, I recently noticed, and I was talking to someone about this, is that some companies will have a reward system that's digital, but they'll still have mm-hmm. punch cards mm-hmm. that they'll hand out to people to like come in and get a stamp. Like that old school view, a way of getting rewards of every tenth stamp is like a free sandwich Ice cream or a drink, or
1: coffee, exactly.
0: Right, it's so ambiguous. Uh, can you tell us about about the struggle of, of switch, switching customer behavior? Because you can have mm-hmm. this like whole reward system built in for for engagement and loyalty and things like that. But really, if, if the customer can't adopt or has a trouble, you know, getting a new traction, trying something new, it, it could be a struggle to uh, onboard your system. How, have you experienced that? Have you had different cohorts or like different uh, segments of, of customer bases that are
1: forward towards this uh, new behavior versus uh, hesitant again? Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a, that's a great question. So to start off with the loyalty punch card side of things, right? Like even a couple of years ago as well, I was looking at these punch cards that they were using so so you know what i realized we talked to a lot of customers on the side as well to understand their pain points when they were losing using these punch cards and what came to it is that there's so many punch cards every store they have their own punch cards now imagine me carrying that punch card of a neighborhood shop that i always go to now i tried an ice cream shop they have their own punch card then i have other programs or i have other bigger maybe medium franchise stores they have their own loyalty app so how many things? There's a limited space in my wallet as well as in my phone for me to be able to get benefit of each and every merchant that I go to. And the other thing as well is that if I buy you know, something from that store, I can only redeem it at that store. So that makes me feel like, okay, you know what? I can only go back to that store, which is fine if it's, you know, I'm loyal to that store. But there are more stores. Uh, I'm, I'm downloading too many apps, too many punch cards, all of those things. So when we talk to those customers, uh, we realize that they will love rewards but at the same time with this old system of having multiple having their own app having your own punch cards you know when we spoke to businesses they said that it's really hard to attract customers who's never visited your store so for example i'm an ice cream shop i have punch card or i have my own app now you have never seen or never heard or never been to my store now you will never know about my punch card i can't attract you using that punch card unless you've heard of someone oh you know what My friend told me there's a really nice ice cream and then when you first came, I gave you the punch card, but that's kind of the sense that they're not able to attract customers who's never visited the store before. So when we, we realized that pain point from merchant side of things, and, and, and when we talk to those customers, like everyday customers like us, we realized that, okay, what if we make you one app that works with pretty much every store? You don't have to change your behavior. You still do the same thing that you would do anyways. But now we're also incorporating that you can also spend your rewards that you earn at any business for anything you want on the platform. So creating an ecosystem where I am getting a, a rewards for buying a pizza, but then I can spend it for a hair salon. I can spend it for a yoga class that I want to go to, right? Allowing them you know, the freedom to be able to choose where they want to spend it was really something that, that we found out that a lot of customers were attracted to. And at the same time, Uh, our app through our app how we built it is that you have to pay using our app it is similar to what a starbucks loyalty app so a lot of customers that we spoke to were already using starbucks loyalty app they were aware of the idea of okay you know what i download the starbucks app i connect my credit card i can pay in store using the app and the same experience we wanted to incorporate within our app is that you download our app you connect your credit card but now you're making qr code payments in in store to be able to earn cash back so when we told them, "Hey, you know what? pay using our app, but again, that is again another change in behavior because they're used to doing Apple pay. you know I can just simply tap on this terminal and be like, "You know what I, it's very instant, it's a couple of seconds that I can make a payment. Why would then they adopt our app to be able to make a payment So there's a real benefit for using our app so for example, you go to my ice cream shop, you pay using your let's say I don't want a neighbor but." you know, a card that gives you rewards for making everyday purchases, right? Like a credit card that gives you purchase for everyday purchases. You tap it on our terminal, you will earn the credit card rewards. But if you connect to that, if you connect that credit card to our app, now if you go to that store, you will earn rewards from our app, but you will also earn rewards on your credit card. So you're not missing out on that. You're earning double or triple uh, the rewards that you would uh, earn, you know, if you were to just pay using that. So. When we talk to those customers and be like, you know what, just by paying through our app, which will only take four to five seconds for you to pay, you can earn two times more rewards and still not miss out on your credit card rewards, right? So that was kind of the game changer. And the other thing that, that we realized is that we talked to them about their social behavior. They said, hey, we, love, we anyway tag businesses on social media. If there's a way we can still earn rewards for doing that, would be, that, would, that would be great as well. And that's why we incorporate all of those things. So we realize that changing user behavior, sometimes it's fine, but they have to see there is an extra benefit for them to change this behavior, right? And also learning what they, they currently do, what their existing behaviors is as well. Combining all of those things, that's why we make it the way we make, made the Rewardly app is that it's beneficial for customers. And we talked to all of those customers, they were like, yeah, this is something that we are okay paying through and this is something that we already do would love to get reward
0: no i love where you took that because like i think credit card loyalty programs are notorious because it's it seems trustworthy because it's with your credit card but one of the main things is that any kind of financial data is protected so your bank information your credit card information anything you swipe on the everyone from the credit card company to the realtor or the, the the pointer terminal can't use that credit card information or the purchase information to track you or the individual or do any kind of analytics on like your purchasing mm-hmm. behavior or your history, or even on a wider level of what are their, what are the users or uh, their, their whole uh, account holders, spend their capital on. But the point mm-hmm. systems on credit cards became a way of, oh yeah, we're not tracking your, your purchases, we're tracking your points, right? And through the yeah. points, you get rewards by like getting money off or plane tickets off, et cetera. But now we, the organization, get these kind of hallmark metrics about where you go, location information, that kind of stuff, patterns, insights, and that was one of the first data markets that really popped up: credit cards and their reward systems, right? Reward mm-hmm. marketplaces. And but the issue became that these credit companies were then selling this data to to like within the data market, right? To data brokers, yeah. And, and it's going upstream and downstream, and now like user data is being circumvented, uh, and and privacy and security seems kind of circumvented. So I, I like the idea of, of these like uh, loyalty apps, because it seems like it's more controlled because now you're not just like working within one, you're not just one co- critical company collecting information, you're collecting across multiple different uh, realtors, uh, sorry, <laughs> realtors, uh, I, keep, I keep going to that word. Retail stores, yeah. Retail yeah, exactly. stores, retailers, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but the challenge with that is to create an, an, a, an ecosystem, right? That's, that's worthy of customers, you kind of need density, right? You can't just keep going to the same store for one card because then you're you going to forget about that card. You need like a dense environment to bounce things off of, to use that uh, reward system. But then also at the same time, you, you have the issue of scalability, right? Like you can work within mm-hmm. one locality, but how can you use that another locality? So how do you think about scaling a system like this that requires an ecosystem of, for, for it to be usable?
1: Definitely, no, that, that's a great point. Because see, I would hate for you to download our app and then close the store to you is 40 kilometers away. It's Mm -hmm. not going to drive any traffic. It's not going to change anything. So understanding that behavior and knowing that is the reason. So controlling how we scale, where we scale, and how many customers download our app is really the key for us in this beginning, is that as we start, we want to have a very neighborhood by neighborhood approach. We're saturating few neighborhoods, understanding getting more than 40, 50% of the, the businesses within that neighborhood, attracting customers within that neighborhood, and then stepping, going to the second neighborhood, third neighborhood as well. So our approach currently is that working with the BIAs, so business Mm. improvement areas are are amazing at helping businesses grow as well. So working with the local business improvement areas, local economic offices, and at the same time, small to medium franchise stores are Mm. some of the key targets for us. Because if we can get a a small, medium-sized franchise stores that's added 15 to 20 stores, Per, per franchise. And that is kind of the way for us to to scale as well. And they've also built existing relationships within the retail market for us to leverage it You know, when we have to scale at that rate. So starting with neighborhood by neighborhood approach, working with the business improvement areas, and then going after small, medium franchise stores, leveraging connections that we already have. And at the same time, once we do that, we are also planning to go with e-commerce brands so e-commerce brands is some of the, the you know one of the biggest play where we can expand pretty quickly where you as a customer it doesn't matter the closest store because again you're buying it online you're buying it using an e-commerce brand so that's kind of the approach you know we are taking in terms of scaling it controlling it in the beginning of how we want to do it and then using our existing connections to be able to leverage them to be able to grow quicker and not just that but I can also tell you as a customer referral is a is the best way to be able to grow. Yeah. So I can tell you as a customer, you know what? You go to this salon, we, ha- we are there. Do you go to a plant shop? You love plants. You know what? Refer them to us. You will earn something on that as well. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the leveraging the customers that we have to get more businesses and then leveraging those businesses to get more customers is the way for us to be able to scale up rapidly. And, and then when we are bootstrapping it in a cost-effective way.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's really cool that you're taking to the e-commerce cause I haven't heard too much of that. And that's, that seems like uniquely challenging because how do you authenticate uh, a user now coming in? But I think that that can actually provide some, a lot of other benefits. I remember one of the first times I bought something off of Instagram's marketplace, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't trust it at all, but sure. I think I was like, I had a few drinks. So I'm like, this thing looks really pretty cool. I'm like, let's do it. Let's see what happens. I, and I bought this thing and then I never saved the page or I just assumed it'll be there, but there was no history mm-hmm. on Instagram mm-hmm. to go back and find that purchase. I made even through it's marketplace, the confirmation email I got was for the billing company, not for the actual, mm-hmm. uh, the organization or like the marketplace, the store that I bought it from. So I couldn't even okay. search or find the store name anymore. Cause it was just a random click. It took me to a site and I, and I purchased it. And I'm like, "There's no way of me tracking where I got this from. And you know, a week would buy, a two weeks would buy. I'm like, did I get scammed? And then it randomly yeah. showed up in the mail. <laughs> and even after I got in the mail, if I, I, there was no way of, for me to keep track of where it came from. So I like the idea of e-commerce where with all these tiny microsites, the mm-hmm. ability of being able to like, just not just collect points or rewards, but also even having like a, a system where all that kind of purchase come into one place, right? Where you can like, oh, I, I know where I spent where, I know uh, when, when I did this right? Does that kind of get built into your app ecosystem?
1: Exactly, exactly. So, so the jacket that you're wearing, right? Let's say you bought it on you know, some store online. You, what you would do is that the user journey will be like, well, you pay through our app. There'll be a checkout. You pay through our app. You got that. And they will give you a cashback or rewards for doing that. Now you got the shirt. You really love it. Take a picture, tag them. That's all you have to do to earn extra cashback or ex- extra rewards for being able to do that. So what we're essentially doing is that imagine from a, a brand perspective, now that brand is looking at it like, hey, you know what, the, ev- my everyday customer is already promoting me because I can give them rewards for promoting mm-hmm. me on their on their social media, right? So when you tag it, that's kind of the behavior they're trying to they're trying to understand and they're trying to leverage, which creates social proof for them. Which be like, you know what, I saw that jacket and I love it. You know what, let me check out this brand that I never heard of. I'm gonna go. You know what, I love that jacket. I asked you, you we're like, oh, it's a great product, whatever. And then I just go and I make a purchase. That's kind of the behavior we are trying to incentive. So essentially, we're making an everyday customer an influencer. So essentially, if you are a brand and and you need to hire influencers to create brand awareness, why not make your everyday customer your influencer? And it's only going to cost if they make a purchase. Mm. So that's kind of making it cost effective for brands, making it fun for you. Be like, hey, I can simply, I, anyway, I love tagging it. I love tagging things I buy. And if I can get something extra for doing what I already do, why not? And then collect all of those points, spend it for a yoga class, collect <laughs> all of those points, spend it for another a trouser you want to buy or an ice cream that you want to go to. It's It allows you the freedom to be able to pick and choose where you want to spend it, right? So that's kind of the essence of, of what we are trying to get to. Yeah. No, so speaking about...
0: Building a company like this, right, Mm -hmm. and and getting it moving forward. I'd love to talk a little bit about how you got Mm -hmm. it rolling, right? uh, You got the idea, you saw uh, potential there. How did you get started?
1: So, yeah, so what we did is that I was actually new. I had no idea, how do I start this? Like, how do I, where do I go from here? You know what I, so what I did is I downloaded the app Meetup. I went on it and I saw every entrepreneur Meetup that was coming there. I went and attended that. I went, then I saw there's a startup weekend happening. You know what? Let me try. So I went to a startup weekend. I went, it was my tech stars, I believe. So there was a startup weekend that I went to. I, there was like 100, 120 people. So every individual will pitch there. And then some people within that 120 people will decide whether they want to join your program. If you are able to convince five to six people to join your platform and they only select 10 to 12 ITS, That they want to work with there were about 125 ideas that everyone had at that start of weekend so i had i was lucky enough to get like four or five people that were uh, willing to work with me in this space it wasn't the same idea but it was similar to this where we were helping small businesses get some quality insight spending patterns social patterns of everyday customers so we pitched that. We ended up winning the startup weekend. After that, then you know, I went to some more more meetups, and I met someone who was like, "Hey, you know what? I went through Founder Institute," uh, and I'm like, "What is Founder Institute? Let me try and see it." So I went and searched. I okay, you know what? This is really nice. This is really cool, and I can really get benefit out of this. So I went applied Founder Institute. I got in at Founder Institute. It helped me a lot to be able to, because my idea before that had so many features, so many things right? And, and I was like, okay, Founder Institute, a lot of mentorship, a lot of people there helped me realize that you're doing too many things at, at once. Try to narrow it down, try to have a very face-by-face approach. So that helped me remove some of the extra features that were not really important, but some just sounded cool to have them. So then I core it down after Founder Institute that I can, okay, you know these are the things, two things that I'm going to work on. And this is the first thing I'm going to build. This is the second thing I'm going to build. Yes, I have four or five other things that I want to build. But again, essentially, it's based on what feedback I get from everyday customers because they are going to tell me what they want to see on the app rather than me assuming this is what I want to build on. That's kind of the approach I took. So that's how I came to this point. Then I saw Antler was there. So that's when I got into the Antler side of things as well. And we got accepted. That's how I got started. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. Founders Institute. It's a great program. I'm assuming this is all in Canada. Am I correct? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is correct. And Antler just recently opened up their office in Toronto. Is that, were you part of the first cohort or anything? That is correct. Yeah. I was part of the first cohort. That's awesome. I'd love to learn a little bit more about Antler because the Singaporean Mm -hmm. style Techstars competitors come into this market. And it's really stirring things up (laughs) because Techstars is like all across North America, Latin America, all that. And Antler is coming in with with South Asian background, like a lot of support there, Africa, and now coming in, and it's almost like two ecosystems colliding. I'd love to learn a little more about Antler and mm-hmm. the kind of support you got there.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. So they're very similar, but they have their own differences when mm-hmm. it comes to tech stars. When it comes to Antler as well, what they look for is that they they are more towards founder getting a founder. So for example, you can apply to TechStars without, a, oh, sorry, uh, apply to Antler without an idea. Hmm. You have a great background, you have great knowledge, you have some you know, exceptional things you've done. You can apply and be accepted at Antler without any idea. You don't have to have any idea. You can just apply. They find a lot of talented people and then you can build a company while you're at Antler. They will support you with resources and all of those things so you can build it as well and then grow from there. So if you have a company as well, you will still get accepted if you hire an individual who's just talented, who doesn't know what to do. They were they're open to different ideas. They want to might some of the people, you know, in our cohort, they joined other uh, other existing startups who joined the platform. Right. So it's kind of mix and match between having individual people and having some companies and then allowing everyone the freedom to pick and choose. You know what, I would love to work on your idea. Or well, you know what? These are four people who are talented. They met. They were like, you know what, this is something that I'm really interested in. And they started they built the company from there so they will support you but it's very fast paced you don't have six months to build a company you only have two months to be able to just go hey this is this is what i'm working on first few months they focus a lot towards you know, understanding each other's understanding to be a team building knowing everyone within the cohort what their strengths are yeah. connecting each uh, connecting with each other and knowing that hey this is what they're working on that things like that and then that way, if they provide this ecosystem where you can thrive by meeting a lot of people, create your own idea or work on your existing. Uh, I, I
0: kind of love that uh, so much because I've met a lot of talented people that are like, I, I know I have great ideas, but I just need to refine a little bit. I used to work at, um, I was actually the first incubator at, at The Hub, which is the Univers- University of Toronto at that time, the newest incubator, mm-hmm. which is an ideation center. And the director there started that for similar kind of purposes. There's so much talented people with great ideas. They need a place to like refine those ideas. So speaking of Antler, what does that mean? Okay. You're a talented person and you kind of come into their program. What mm-hmm. next? Like you talked about resources being applied to them. Some people are, are, are like, are accustomed to like the venture studio model where you kind of hire a CEO to come and take over an existing business idea. Like a corporate entity will like, we want to spin this idea out. And they hire a CEO or executive team or a founding team to come in. And they're like, almost like mercenary founders. This idea is already set up for you. There's resources allocated. There'll be a salary yeah. allocated to you and you kind of take over. But as there's kind of in between, it's okay. We know we recognize your, your, um, you're talented, come and work on something on your own and then we'll support that idea. But can you, can you
1: talk about the refining process of how they do that? Of course. So what it does is that they first few weeks you just try to understand, you try to meet each other. They've set up a lot of they focus a lot on just connecting on your own with each other, spending some time. I mean I'm meeting you for the first time uh, and be like, hey, what are you working on? What are you, what is your background? What have you worked on? Previous exits, things like that. And and then I get to understand, oh, you're a technical person or you're more in marketing side. I'm a more technical person. I'm more in business side. And we understand each other, we go like, oh, you know what? That's great. Then you meet other people. So you have about you had about 50 plus people almost we were we would meet each other talk to each other and understand who's where at. and then if you find someone like you know what i love ravi you know what he had a great enthusiasm i love what he has done so far i think we are a perfect fit because i have a business and a marketing side he's a very technical person he's had previous exits he's worked on some of the ideas and then what we do is that we connect and go we bounce off our ideas off of each other be like what do you think about metaverse what could we create a rewards program for Metaverse? What what do you like about CPG brands? You want to create something that is really cool. Date chocolates, you know what I mean? So it's just kind of understanding each other, bouncing off ideas, each other, and then seeing where do you click and doing that repeatedly with a lot of people and knowing which one is a good, good person that you can work with. And then starting a company they provide, then they have a deadline by then you pick and choose someone that you would love to work with and then... You work with them and then kind of understanding, okay, you work with them and then you refine an idea and then they help you with mentorship, resources and things like that. So you can go back and forth with what may not be the right person. I want to change someone. I want to have another a startup with someone else. You can also do that. So a lot of things in between, they, they help you with the resources and mentorship on that.
0: That's really exciting. I can imagine it's like almost like a giant, almost like a university. It's like meet and greets ideate, build something over a weekend and see what kind of sticks and then further support kind of down the line. That, that's really, really exciting. In terms of continual support, like with Antler, especially coming f- from, from Asia and expanding to the West, how does the support system look like with, do, do you have access to more Asian markets through them and alumni slash mentorship from that side of the world? Like how has that cl- clash been being in North America and having to deal with and, and work with that program?
1: No, well, definitely it does support you in terms of getting exposure. If you want to expand to another market that they have presence, you can, you can, you know, connect with their alumni network. They have a lot of sessions with existing companies that are big companies like Twitter, like other companies that are some of the product managers that would come up. You can have one-on-one discussion with them. And so they provide a lot of support through this ecosystem that they have built. And definitely it, it does help if you want to expand towards a country that they are already present in, they will definitely help you with that kind of support.
0: That's awesome. In, in terms of your next step now, like uh, you're being, you know, mm-hmm. now you're going more, you're alumni of these organizations, Founder Institute, Ansler. How are you getting in the in the mode of getting, giving back and adding to the ecosystem? Where
1: are you at with the, in, the, in, in that point of your life? Yeah, no, definitely. I'm currently doing mentorship sessions uh, at Founder Institute as well for the US cohort as well, helping them refine their marketing side of things, understanding what the business model they're applying. How are they going through that? So uh, currently helping everyone there on the Founder Institute side, and as well as anyone who reaches out on LinkedIn or, or emails as well, always happy to support because that's one thing that I have received and I'm thankful for from this. I started with no understanding of how do I get to this place where I can build my own company, get access to angel investors, get access to mentors, get access to people who are within this industry for a long time. And they were kind and helpful enough to always be there to help People, if you reach out, they'd be like, yeah, no problem. I'll help you with 15 minutes of call. So I've always been blessed with those kind of people. So I always, I'm always there to give back to the community in terms of if there's anything I can help you with, uh, if any knowledge that I have that I can, that can help you out with your existing startup or business. Mm-hmm. Always, Yeah.
0: So I mean, one of the uh, founders of the Institute and all these institutions, like being involved with them, one thing that reminds me of, I remember reading like Steve jobs a uh, biography. And everyone from like, I think Google, Apple and a few other companies all started from like garages in California, Mm -hmm. but you know, everyone talks about, oh, you started out of a garage, but these were just normal garages that the neighborhoods, everyone was an engineer working at top technology companies. A lot of them were tinkerers in their garages building stuff out. So like he was talking about how you can walk down the street and people just in their garage is open, we're just working on things, the computers or building something or just tinkering along with stuff. And mm-hmm. each line, uh, each along that line, is experts who can work on that. Mm-hmm. And then being part of that computer club where people brought in uh, all these tools, like when you're surrounded by people doing great things, you're, you get ingrained, not just inspired to, uh, to also work on ideas, build things out, but also it's osmosis, right? Like ideas just kind of permeate and coming through Definitely. So, like, so how do you feel being in these kind of environments as an entrepreneur, right? Does it excite you? Do you, do you? Are you scouting for new businesses to work with? Or do you feel like it's a drain on your resources? Something that you have to do?
1: Where are you at? No, I love that. That's why I was like, that's why I'm doing it because I love doing it. Uh, it, it takes a lot of, it, it It takes a toll on you sometimes because you are in this industry where you're working, you're trying to build something new mm-hmm. and you may, you're trying doing everything best, but again, yeah, you don't know everything. No one knows everything. Mm-hmm. You're always learning. You're always learning. And it's the best way to learn is from people who are within this industry. Even they don't know everything, but they're also trying to figure out. So I know something that I can help you with and something I did not know about. I can only come to that level of understanding if I am surrounded by people like that, Mm -hmm. surrounded uh, like people who are within that industry, you are already trying to solve so many things that they're learning every single day. And if you learn something I did not know about, I would be happy to share. And those kind of environment, like that's where I thrive. That's where I love doing it. It's not just about with any motive that, hey, you know what? Tomorrow you might sign up for us. It, It doesn't matter. It's what matters is that one-on-one connections always trying to grow and grow from that perspective of that just help without thinking that you're going to get back anything. It's just that, that that factor of, yeah, man, I would love to you know say something that I learned and you can correct me and that way I can learn more and I can always change my opinion because now I have more information from people who are within that industry and we can debate and come to a conclusion which is which we would have never happened. If I was just alone coding and and just trying to sell my product to everyone, right? So it's just that free flow of sharing of ideas, always being open to feedback and always there to help anyone who, who you know who, who's trying to learn is the key to be able to grow within this industry and and you can only survive because you can pretend for six months or eight months or ten years or one year, you can pretend that you like this just for the sake of being in that entrepreneurship. But you can't sustain; it's not sustainable mm. if you don't enjoy doing it every day, right? Uh, yes, it's tough. <laughs> yes, it's it, it takes a toll on you sometimes because everything has to happen within the certain time frame. They have to fall in the place as well. All of those things, yes, they all exist. Uh, but if you don't love what you enjoy, you know what you're working on, then you're not going to survive. It, it builds that resilience within you. Uh, which is very key, is that even if something doesn't work, no problem. I'm here for the long run. I'm not here for six months or one year or two years. I'm here for the long run. Whatever happens, I will face. Whatever happens, I will learn. And whatever happens, I'll grow. So that if you have that attitude, it's a mindset that you have. Yeah. If you have that mindset and attitude, then you can survive. If not, then you can always improve. I love that a lot. I love that mindset.
0: And I've seen it echoed in a, in a lot of entrepreneurs. I was catching up with another CEO that uh, came through the podcast and he's talking about this, it's like his company after four years of working in, in a basement and his dusty a basement, he's now mm-hmm. raised like 2 million plus for a seed round. And he's like, oh, I'm on salary now, <laughs> like I can afford yeah. things. This is amazing. But like, <laughs> now it's like the fun is gone. It's now I, I, I'm working, like I have people, I've I have investors on my back, like I had to build this company. So one of the first things he did was start a, as a fun tinkering hobby shop, right? And I asked him, like, you know, why are you doing this? It's you've been grinding for four years, spent like hours on this, like sleepless nights. And now, finally, where you have this, like, why go to the next thing? And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, this is now my profession, and now this is now my new baby. And it's like, now, when whenever I, I need downtime from my nine to f- my nine to five almost, like my main thing, it's yeah. that's, that's grinding out. I want to be able to distract myself, my procrastination to be an, uh, another idea because yeah, it'll refresh me working on something different and I can juggle back and forth. But the main thing is it's training me to think critically and, and, and provide the environment for me to be, to, to bring that kind of knowledge and stuff back to his company. Because through his new baby now he can learn other things that brings back to the more established ones. And I thought about that mindset. I'm like, that's that's something that you only find an entrepreneur when things yeah. finally go right. You go back to drawing board. It's
1: it's always that because see the the thing is that I can't stop my mind from thinking like something new. It's like right. that that itch that is within you is that even if you go to a new place, you're always looking for something that that is there, and that's why it becomes like you know what I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, and then it, it never it doesn't feel like you're working hard. It just feels like you're just. It's like, I can't get enough of this. It's mm-hmm. like that mindset. You always have something new that you want to work on. You want to build something new. It's always that cycle. It's never, hey, you know what? I build this, I sell it, or I go IPO and then I'm done. It doesn't like, then I don't know. It, it's like, for most of the people that I, I talk to, it's just that it, it doesn't stop. <laughs> it's like that, that itch that just, you always want to improve. You always want to build something new. There's something exciting that is happening. You want to be a part of, and that that, it comes to within this mindset. I believe that there are three types of people, right? One who make things happen. The other one, like one who sees things happen. And the one who says, what happened? You know what I mean? So I want to be the one who makes things happen, right? So, you know, within this three category, whichever one you are, you can try. And it doesn't have, it's not that this is the thing that you have to work on it. You have to find your own purpose, what you love working on. And if that fits you and you find that, then you can be happy about it and then you will love what you do. It wouldn't feel like it'll go so quickly that you wouldn't even feel like, where did the five years go? Because you were working on something that you were really passionate about and you built something. Now you're happy. Let's go know something next. You know what I mean? It's like that drive. Call it a drug uh, (laughs) that you always want to be able to take it and then be like, you know, I'm going to build something exciting new. What do they call it? Uh, chasing the dragon, right? You're always chasing that I, first high. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a perfect way to segue into the future and what that looks like mm-hmm. for you. Do you. Where do you see yourself going to? Do you have an exit in mind, take that and, and become like an angel investor or go to startup You're number two, three and, and become like a serial uh, entrepreneur? Do you go out and provide more, become a more advisor, provide support services? Mm-hmm. Or do you see yourself like taking this company all the way, like as far as you can possibly take it? What are the future? Definitely.
1: Like? No, definitely. So in the short run, we're trying to go live as soon as possible with the business we have trying to do that. Now, that's my main focus is right now in terms of the future, it'd be more like a hybrid approach where you invest and support the startup because it's really key to support and give back to the system that, that helped you uh, grow to this level. So support that system, be it through angel investing, be it through advising, and at the same time, building more and more companies so you can, you can always grow, you can always have that and supporting new people. So that's the idea for me as well, is that working on this, trying to reach the goals, trying to make the best out of this and, and making it big and, at the, and then be it angel investing or hybrid of all of that, and then just seeing how it goes. That's an awesome vision. Before we let you go, there is one question. I love your take on this, right?
0: There's, uh, the, we have found like entrepreneurs have, there's two types, right? The ones that want mm-hmm. are, are the builder mentality heads down. These want to build and keep kind of going. And then they're the seller that I know that it's called a hacker versus hustler kind of mentality, right? I think there was a great article about this. Like ideally in a company you want both. You want someone who's hustling, mm-hmm. other one, other one hacking. but trying to make it. Where do you fall under? Are you in a spectrum? Do you have a partner that takes care of the other side of things? Uh, Or do you try to compartmentalize?
1: No, definitely. Sometimes you want to do everything on your own, but uh, it's not the best way (laughs) to grow. Uh, So there are some exceptional people in my team that, uh, that that I'm blessed with. I'm more on the hustling side of things. They're more okay. This is you know how we are going to build step by step. They have tremendous amount of experience building things, and they like over fifteen, sixteen years. So I'm more on the hustling side. I, what we can see, trend side, selling side, marketing side of things, and then I have a, a you know group of indiv- exceptional individuals who help me with the other side of things, be it technical side of things, and then yeah, and, and we have advisors as well, like some great advisors within industry. Is always. Because again, while you're doing all of these things, you want to make sure your mental health is taken care of. And there are some people who are really good within the team. They're like, hey, you know what? Take a pause, enjoy, go in the evening so that you don't burn out yourself. So it's like a mix of all of those people, which is really key to be able to have a sustainable growth for any startup, even for your own self.
0: I love that. All right. Harish, where can people find you to follow your story, to keep track yeah. of what you're doing?
1: Yeah, happy to reach out to me on on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm always open to a new, talking to new people. And yeah, you can always email me as well at rewardly.ca. That's uh, R-E-W-A-R-D-L-Y.ca. And yeah, I'm you know, happy to talk to anyone.
0: Perfect. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much
1: for your no time. Problem. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Disrupt, a Bluemex podcast, is hosted by Ravi Ravindran and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. For more Disrupt content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit Bluemex.io to join us on Discord.